Turning points change the course of our lives. Whether it's a big decision, overcoming an obstacle or tragedy, or taking a leap of faith, these stories of inspiration and resilience are what Turning Point is all about. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Turning Point. I'm your host, Priya Sam, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Callan Brecken. Callan is a certified relationship and personal development coach and one of the co-hosts of the Gay Men Going Deeper podcast. Callan's turning point happened when he got a job as a flight attendant, and we're going to hear more about that and the impact it had on his life. Welcome to Turning Point, Callan. Well, thank you so much for having me, Priya. I'm so excited to dive into today's conversation with you. Yes, me too. And before we actually get to your turning point, um, I thought it'd be great for our listeners and viewers just to get an idea of of what life was like for you growing up. Um, you grew up in Vancouver, right? I did. Yeah. So hello. Hi, uh, I'm Callan Brecken. I'm originally from Vancouver, BC. I now live in Toronto. Um, and growing up for me was rough. <laughs> Not going to beat around the bush. It was like a rough time. Um, I grew up like very working poor. Uh, my dad was a commercial fisherman and only worked a few months out of the year and then kind of had to do odd jobs for the rest of the year. Um, and my mom was a stay at home mom because um, my dad wouldn't let her get a job. And then that led to like a divorce when I was six years old. And then that was brutal because it was also like a working poor class divorce living on welfare with my mom and is a whole backstory. And my dad brought somebody into our life who was not a very good person. And so for like a decade, I had to struggle with a very negative and psychologically damaging person in my life uh, in those like formative years. And so that kind of led to a lot of hardships at the beginning of my life. Um, but then eventually I ended up getting kicked out at like 16, 17 because um, my dad's partner didn't like me and it was either her or me. And so he chose her. Um, and then I moved in with my mom and my mom <laughs> kind of did a 180 cause she couldn't, it, she couldn't afford to have me for the early parts of my life. And so, um, even though I was like, this is my last year of high school, I just want to graduate and like, you know, let me sort my life out and then moved in with my mom. My mom's like, what has your dad been doing? Like, you're like, let's sort you out because even though she financially couldn't really provide for me, she still wanted to like set me up and break the cycles of what had been going on. And she always implemented that at the beginning of like, you can do whatever you want, you can be whoever you want. We might have had nothing, but you like she still built that little sliver of belief in me. And so that's kind of what I clung on to. Um, and then when I moved in with her in my last year of high school, um, it kind of like was a, a bit of a turning point for me because she started eating like I started eating healthier because she ate healthier. Um, I got like my de a debit card for the first time. I got my learner's driver's license, like all these things that like I should have been being prepared for, but like none of that was happening in, in my environment with my dad and his partner. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a rough start. And then I ended up moving to Europe when I was 20 and I just moved to the UK. I was like, I'm just going to do it. Peace, love rainbows. And that's when I came out of the closet kind of like at 1920, just before I moved over there. Um, and I guess it was kind of like most of my friends knew but it was kind of like family and stuff. I told my mom maybe like three weeks before I left. I was like, by the way, I'm gay. Okay, bye. Go, going away. Um, and, you know, had a great time over there. And that's kind of my early years of, of growing up and who I was. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is a roller coaster of ups and downs um, throughout your childhood. You you mentioned kind of um, coming out to your family before you left. Like, what was that experience like for you? So coming out for me was interesting because I came out just after high school. I was the, well, not just after, but like I was 19 um, and I went to a birthday, a friend's birthday um, of like a mutual friend's birthday. And so my other best friend was there and it was a gay club because this person was gay. And so we kind of like looked at each other at the club. We were like drunk as skunks. And uh, I looked at her. I'm like, I think I might be bi. She looks at me and she's like, oh, my God, me too. <laughs> and so we have like this whole high five moment. And then kind of over the next year or two, like a good chunk of our friends also end up coming out because I think it's like that that energetic, like knowingness of being young and being like, I feel safe with these people and I don't know why. And like that kind of played into it. So it's like, of course, like a lot of our friends ended up coming out as like gay, lesbian, trans over the years. Um and so that was kind of like really cool. So friends wise, it was fantastic. And family wise, it was good. I only told my mom before I left for the UK because that's all I felt comfortable doing because um, her and I kind of had the closest relationship. I I don't speak with my dad now and I don't speak with my sister now as well. Um, just from so many things, my sister has a lot of like just mental health problems and it's really hard to 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 take that on. Um, but when I came back for a visit that summer, I ended up telling my brother and sister and they're like, of course you are. Uh, and then, and then I eventually, once I did move back from the UK in 2007, I did end up telling my dad. Um, and he was like, Oh yeah, I kind of figured cause like you always had girlfriends, but never a girlfriend. Um, so it was kind of like everybody knew what was going on, but I hadn't taken those steps. But then once that happened, I was kind of like free to really be my true and authentic self. That must have felt very liberating to finally feel like you could just live as as who you are with with everyone, your friends and your family. Oh, man, like it's a weight, like it's such a weight. And this is one of the things that all people in the community, like the LGBTQ plus community can all bond over and understand is that whether it's a good coming out experience or bad coming out experience or whatever your experience of it is. The fact that you're holding on to this giant secret that you feel is weighing you down and it's like the weight of the world. And like, if anybody finds out your life is going to be over, like every single one of us can resonate with that and can hear that and go, oh yeah, I feel that. And it just does things to you. And it screws up so many lives when people aren't allowed or don't think they're allowed to be their true and authentic selves. And so when I came out, it was like this weight just lifted off of me. And even though I didn't know how it was going to play out in my life, I was just so much happier that I could just be myself and not live in that fear and that fear that creates such anxiety and like uh, so many other things that come along with it. But yeah, it's, it's a giant weight that gets lifted and I've seen it time and time and time and time again. Well, and this is so, it's so interesting because this is obviously a big part of the work you do now to help other people, um, which we're, we're going to talk uh, about a little bit later on, but l let's talk about your turning point because um, it happened when you moved to Toronto in 2014. Um, so tell me about the decision to move to, to Toronto. First of all, like what drew you into the city? 
So um, I've, I've always been a huge travel nut. Like I've wanted to travel my whole life. I have like my moon and rising both in Sagittarius. So it's very travel-y um, for all you star sign people out there. And uh, so I lived over in the UK. I traveled all over Europe. Uh, I moved home. And then I kind of had like an itch to go traveling again. And my friend and I were like, oh, let's do a giant volunteer trip across the US and kind of like do it that way. So we did a, a big volunteer trip. Um, some people like donated to us and stuff. We did like volunteer work down in, um, in Denver after there was like in Boulder, there was a big, uh, flood that had happened the year we went. Um, and then it was like 2013. Uh, and then we also went to, um, Oklahoma. They had that big F5 that had just gone through. And so we helped kind of like rebuild there. We also volunteered at a, um, like medical clinic in, um, Nashville and Tennessee, because like the US medical system is very different than it is here. Um, and so we kind of did this big trip all over to New York. And then at like the six month mark, it was like, okay, well, we have to go back to Canada because we want to have good standing in the US. And then that's when I was like, okay, well, I'm going to move to Toronto. And that's where I'm going to base myself because I was, I love Vancouver, and it holds a very special place in my heart. And it's beautiful. But it just didn't feel right. And it didn't feel like home just because of all the family stuff and everything that's happened in Vancouver. I have great friends there, but I just felt so called to Toronto. And I'd been here once before on a trip and I'd just fallen in love with the city and it just felt right. And so then I moved here in, uh, it was early 2014 because I was in New York for like New Year's Eve and Christmas. And then I moved to Toronto. I think it was that April, May or March, April, May. Um, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to be here and I'm going to make it happen and I'm going to be an adult and I'm not going to go back to like serving or anything like that. Like I'd done management before and I was like, okay, let's make a go of it. And that's kind of when this turning point came about. Wow. I, it's interesting. Cause as you were talking about feeling this pull to Toronto, I, I had a similar experience when I, when I moved here, I'd only been here to visit really, but I just had this this feeling that this is where I was supposed to be. Um, but it is, that's a huge move. I mean, moving from Vancouver to, I mean, really, it's like moving to another country. It's so far away. So what were the early days of your move like? Um, so because I've been doing volunteer work, I had like no monies, like I had like zero dollars. Um, and I'd moved here and I found this place, um, I wouldn't say it's a sublet, but a person who owns their condo and just rents out their room when they need or want some extra cash. Um, so it was fully furnished, all that. And I was like, great, this is amazing. Um, and so I had that kind of solidified for a couple months. And then he's like, okay, you can, you know, we can sort it out, you know, do a couple months, see how it is, but like no more than like six months, maybe eight months max. Um, but he's like, but in that time, I want to see you progressing and like get yourself a job and find, you know, where you want to live. Cause then it also gave me time to find, like figure out the city, like, I, I'd been here once before kind of on a bit of a working trip, but I had no idea like what area do I want to live in? What's a nice area to live in? What, you know, all those little intricate things that you kind of learn about a city once you get there. Um, so this allowed me to kind of do that. And so while I was here, I just found myself falling deeper and deeper kind of into this pit of despair because I wasn't getting any jobs that I was applying for and nothing was coming through. Um, and then I was like really running out of money and I can't, I can't depend on my family. My family's never been that, <laughs> never been that family. Um, and that's also why I never went to like university or post-secondary or anything. Cause like we couldn't afford it. And even though I had grades enough to kind of apply for things and to get things, I never had that guidance um, 
from anybody in, to show me like, okay, well, if you want to get a bursary or if you want to do this, like, here's how you do it or let me help you out. Because I went to school with 2,500 other kids. It was kind of like you, you really had to push in unless you really want something, you're going to slip through the cracks. So I kind of, I guess, allowed myself to slip through the cracks because I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and then when I was here, I was kind of slipping through the cracks again. I was like, oh, God. And so I was actually on assisted living. Um, and that was paying like almost nothing because my rent was only $800 for that room, which is really not a lot. Um, but it's still, that was all I was getting from assisted living as well. And I'd only had that for like one or two months at the very end. And so a friend of mine, I was looking for jobs and from New York was like, oh, well, you should apply for, you know, this flight attendant job over in the Middle East. Like you really like traveling. This will open up the doors for that. And then like pays really well. And I was like, huh, I never like I never thought of that. I always thought maybe one day I'd be a flight attendant because I'd love to travel. But I never thought about that because in Canada, you couldn't really get a job unless you were bilingual. And I wasn't. And so I went and I applied for this job. And there was like 600 other people who were there. And they only hired like the top 3%-ish of people who apply. So like maybe, you know, 15, 20 of us are going to get hired from this 600. And so go through the whole process. They narrowed it down to about 50 people. And then that was it. It's kind of like, cool, thanks for the last interviews. And then they're like, if you get the job, we'll give you a call. And so I'm like, here I am. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I have this amazing job, but like, I still need to do other jobs. So I'm just doing like side jobs and side hustles. Um, but things just aren't like, I'm really just not making enough to sustain my life. Um, and so there's a point where I have like maybe a hundred dollars in my bank account, maybe a hundred or $200 in my bank account. I'm owing rent at the end of the month. I'm going to get kicked out. Like, it, like, it's not going to go good if I don't. Um, I have no parents or family to really, like, depend on or ask for money. And so I'm, like, I feel so isolated and alone. And I'm, like, just trying to, like, make it and, like, prove to myself that I can make it. And it just, I just hit this wall of, like, not knowing. And by this point, it's, like, six weeks since I've done that interview. And I'm, like, are they, they're not going to call. Like, they're not calling. And so I just had a full-blown panic attack mental breakdown of, like, my life is awful <laughs> and just being like so angry at the world for like, why did I have to go through this? Like, why do I have to? And I know that comes from a very privileged place and it's just like, you know, what was me kind of energy, but I think everybody is the main character of their own story. Right. So you don't know other people's stories. You don't know what you don't know. And so for me, that's what it was. And I was just like, why did I have to be born into this family? Why did I have to go through these things that I went through? Why did I have to like, not have those opportunities and so I have full-blown mental breakdown I'm crying my eyes out like on the floor my roommate thank god had gone away um to his parents like up north and I was just full-blown crying my eyes out on the floor for hours like just sobbing just being like why like what wh like why what like what do you want from me and just like let go I was just like what do you want from me like just show me tell me give me a sign what do you want me to do and I just completely released and let go. And then the next day is when I got the call. Hi, we'd like you to come and work for us. Uh, can you start? Can you come next week? <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. I feel like as you were telling this story, like I just went on this journey with you. So really within this very short time frame, you were kind of going from like this very low, low 
to this now, this like incredible opportunity. And I know you mentioned the airline was in the Middle East. So I assume this means like a big move for you too. Yep. So, so yeah, you know how they always say it's always darkest, like right before the sunrise. Um, so that's kind of like, that was my turning point moment of like the sun was just like it just had cracked open and I could see that there was a light and I was like, ugh, like, I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent still or these other things. But I was like, but I have hope now. Um, and I'd actually gotten a week long job at a company um, to do uh, like kids uh, graduation trips away. And so it's a company called S-Trip. I think they're based here in Toronto. And so I had gotten a job doing that, but that was only like a one-time deal. Like it was like one or two weeks and it was down in Costa Rica. You fly down there with all the kids, you make sure that they have a good time and that they're safe and they enjoy themselves. And like, that's their graduation holiday. And then you come back. And so I had agreed to that. And so when this company called, was like, oh, we want you. I was like, oh, well, I already have this other job. So I can't start until like this day. And they're like, oh, that's fine. Then like, I was like, what's the latest I can come there like this day? And I was like, okay, that's perfect. Because then that gave me 10 days to get like, after I got back from that trip to then fly back to Vancouver, pack all of my stuff from there that I needed to say all my goodbyes to like family and whatever. And then I, they flew me 10 days later from Vancouver to back to Toronto and then to the Middle East in Dubai. I can't believe like how quickly your life just <laughs> changed in that instant. Wow. Instant. How did you react? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just like, it was like instant. Yeah. How did you react when you actually got the call that you had the job? I kind of lost it. Like I was just like, you know, those moments when people are like, oh, like you're going to hit that moment and like you're going to hit the bottom of the barrel and like, you know, I, I've never had addiction problems or anything, but it's kind of like when people say that they hit rock bottom, like there's nowhere else for you to go. That's what I felt like I had hit when I was like having my emotional and mental breakdown on the floor of my apartment. And so then the next day when I got that call, it was just like pure elation. Like I was just like, it, it, it was the hope that like had been brought back to me because at the bottom of the barrel, that's where like hopelessness lives. And that's where like, a lot of like your own internal dialogue lives of like those negative thoughts and those negative things. And so all that call did was literally just like reignite like the littlest, tiniest spark of hope. And sometimes that's all a person needs is to just be like, um, like somebody sees me, I have value, I'm important, like I can do this, like that little grain of hope can like ignite a blaze. I'm just nodding along with you here. And I bet people who are watching and listening to this are doing the same thing because it's just amazing how one thing like that, like you said, one person believing in you, you know, one opportunity that makes you feel valued. It's just incredible how life-changing that can be. Oh yeah. I'm having like all of these like emotions as I, as I hear this. So and then you like make this massive move around the uh, across the world to Dubai. Yeah. What was that like? It's obviously such a different place than than I think anywhere in the world really. Oh, it was culture shock for sure. Um so I was like up for the adventure of life. I was like sure let's do this. And so we get there and I remember they pick you up and they took me to my apartment where I was going to be living. 
And I'd gotten one of the like the good quote unquote apartments because they kind of like have people all over the city. And so I'd gotten one of the quote unquote best ones. And so I was already excited about that. And then I get there and get the key, sort me out. You know, here's your apartment. And it was like a three bedroom apartment, but none of my roommates were home. And it was it was big, really big. It was like almost like 3,000, 4,000 square foot apartment. Like it was massive. Wow. Like There was like five bathrooms, three bedrooms, like all paid for by the company. And like here I am going from like I have no money and like I can't pay my bills and rent to being like I have an amazing salary. I get to travel the world. And now I have like my own room, my own ensuite and like all this other stuff. And it, so it was like huge, crazy culture shock. But inside of that, the first day I got there, I walk into the room and it's all white and kind of sterile and nobody's there and there's no internet. So I can't contact anybody. I don't have a phone sorted out or anything like that yet. And I just sit on the bed and I'm like, what the, like, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> like, it kind of starts sinking in and I'm like, I'm literally on the other side of the world. I Like, what am I doing? Um, but I think that that's kind of a story of life for a lot of people when you start any new adventure and like, that's why a lot of people don't take those leaps of faith because they're so scared of that unknowingness. They're so scared of that uncertainty. Um, but I've always kind of been like, a, I want to like run sliding sideways into my grave being like, heck yeah, I did that. Like, I just did all of that. And I don't want to have missed those opportunities. And so that was me saying yes to that opportunity. And even though it was so scary and it took a while to adjust and to figure it all out, eventually you figure it out. Like I was there for five years. Like I figured it out. <laughs> like I spent a good like half a decade over there of my life. And, you know, I know the world almost like the back of my hand now. I've been to over 200 cities around the world. I've been to over 80 countries. I've, I, I could tell you like, oh yeah, go to this little place in Bangkok and oh yeah, go over here. And this is my favorite cafe in Sydney. And that's my favorite place to go in London. Like I know all of that now and I've had that adventure and it's because I said yes to myself and I said yes to the opportunities that came to me, even though I didn't have a lot to go off of. And even though I didn't have a lot in my background, I still was like, I'm going to do it because I want to see what I'm capable of doing. And even though it's scary, I'm going to take a jump at that opportunity. And I just went for it. These moments where you do take chances and you don't necessarily overthink the, like, what is it going to be like? And what are the challenges going to be? And you just kind of dive in like this. Um, I think the, and, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, but I think what, as I think about some of those moments in my life, they, they also made me realize how strong I was and how much I could handle. Um, so I'm interested to hear your perspective on that. Like, how did this impact you and, and your perspective on life? Um, well, yes, I agree that these moments have huge impacts on us. Um, and there's one thing that I will say about all these moments is that in each and every one of them, when I look back, I, I had at least one person who kind of said, yeah, you go do that. Or like that one little support. And I just want to acknowledge like how important, like even just one person is to support you. You don't need to have the whole family or everybody, but if just one person is just like, I think you should go do that. And like, I think that'd be amazing. And I support you in that. Like you can do anything if you just live off of that hope that they give you. Um, so I forget what the question was right before this. <laughs> Oh, that's really okay. Yeah, that. no. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you said that actually because um 
I went and taught English in South Korea after I finished my undergrad. And I, I, uh, you know, your emotions around like, you know, just say yes, just do it. Like I had all of those things. And then I actually had this moment right before I left where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't know anything about this country. I don't know anyone there. This random person's picking me up at the airport and going to take me to this place where I, I'm living. And I was actually on the way back from uh, Walmart with my dad. We were buying like some last minute things. And I like started bawling. And he was just like, oh, well, Priya, if you don't like it, you can just come home. And I was like, oh, yeah. Right. I, I can just come back if I don't like it. Like, and it was, it, but it's always stuck with me as being like this reminder that, yeah, you, you can take a chance and you can do something that might seem risky, but you can go home after, or, or if it doesn't work out, I guess it's not the end of the world was my kind of lesson, um, yeah. from that moment. But yeah, it did, it did change how I looked at other decisions uh, down the line and, and other things that, you know, other big decisions I would make. So my question was kind of like for you, how did it change your perspective on, on life? Um, right. After right, you right, right. figured out you could do this. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just opened my, eye, like opened my eyes and opened my mind it, um, to just like all the possibilities and like who I was and that I didn't have to be the product of where I came from or like the situation that I grew up in and that, no matter who, pardon me, no matter who I thought I was, I didn't have to stay in that box and that that box could constantly grow larger or it could open completely and I can choose for myself. And I think that that scares a lot of people because people like to stay in the limits and they like to have confirmation. They like to know for sure's. But one of the things that I've learned in life is there is absolutely no such thing as for sure's. Like, there's a illusion of it, but the illusion is not real. And so you keeping yourself small in that box being like, Oh, but it's safer over here. Cause I know how to deal with this stuff. It it's just because it's familiar. It doesn't mean it's better. It's just, it's familiar. And when you say yes to those opportunities that changes you internally and it goes, okay. But like, just because it's unknown doesn't mean it needs to be scary. It can be exciting. It can be, you know, you can change that fear to excitement and like kind of just these little tiny perceptions of like the language you use make such a huge difference. And so it made a massive difference in my life being like, I can do a lot more than I thought I could. And then being exposed to so many different cultures around the world just opened my eyes even further of like, oh man, like the bubble we live in in North America <laughs> is just, it's such a bubble. And seeing so many different cultures and how they interact and how everywhere is different was amazing. And it's such a great education for me because I got to see that it's just like, you know, I could choose a la carte who I wanted to be and how I wanted to be. And I could allow myself to figure out who that authentic person was through going through all these experiences and being like, oh, I really like this about me, or I really like this about me. And like, I didn't have to live in the box that like, when you grow up and you live in the same town or you have the same friends and all the same people, it's really hard to change or to grow in those instances because it's kind of like the crabs in the bucket situation where it's just like, if you grow, then that forces other people to look at themselves and go, oh, well, I'm not growing. And people don't like to face their shit. They don't like it to be shoved in their face. And so when a person starts to grow or starts to do those things or wants to explore those things, they're becoming the crab on the side of the bucket being like, hey, come with me. And the hard part that a lot of people also don't like to face is sometimes people aren't going to want to come with you on that adventure. That is very, very true. And 
I think and in a lot of those situations, it's like a moment to realize like, okay, I, as much as I want to maybe like help other people or like you, how you described it, kind of bring other people with you. If they don't want to come, then, then that's, that's on them. Um, but you can still make the choice for yourself, which I think is, is such a powerful statement. And I, I love the way you described it as um, choosing a la carte who yeah. you want to be and how to live your authentic life. Um, I imagine that a lot of these teachings and lessons are part of your teachings as a life coach, because you, after your career as a flight attendant, you made another transition uh, into being a life coach, which is what you do now. So how did that happen? Yeah. So, um, so when I was over in the Middle East, I, I had a lot of time on my hands to kind of figure out my next step of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be because I knew I didn't want to be a flight attendant forever. Like I, I enjoy traveling, but I enjoy like my own leisure travel. Um, and so I decided I was like, okay, I need to have an exit plan. I like to strategize. I like to plan ahead um, as much as I can. And so I came up with a plan. My, my grandfather um, on my dad's side actually passed away around my four year mark, my three or four my three or four year mark of being there. And it kind of put into perspective, like if something happened to other family members, I wouldn't be able to get home like instantly if I was somewhere else in the world. And so that kind of also like started this effect. But when I was in Dubai, um, I had always been drawn to the personal development world. Like I've been in this world since, oh gosh, like 13, 14, 15 years now um, with my friend, Heather Pinnell, um, and she, I think she's just putting out uh, it's kin of kind on Instagram. And, um, uh, but she was part of a company called rising woman originally. Um, and so now she's going on in her own endeavors, but we kind of came up together through middle school and high school and all this. And she spiritually enlightened me and opened my eyes. And so this kind of opened my eyes to the whole like personal development, spiritual world. Gabrielle Bernstein was one of the first books. She's like, Oh, you should read this. And like, you should check this out. Um, and so I did, and that kind of like changed everything. So throughout all of this process, I'm, you know, I read books and I learn things as I go. And it's kind of like over a decade process of like me figuring out who I am. And that's why I think my highs were so high and my lows were so low because I was really going on the journey that I was going to be eventually helping people to go on themselves. Um, so when I'm in Dubai, I actually studied and I got uh, a certificate over there for life coaching. Uh, and then when I moved back to Toronto in 2019, I also got another certificate um, here just because I wanted to like make sure that everything was good. And so I made my plan exit strategy. I left. I came back to Toronto um, in 2019, the summer of 2019. Which, I mean, little did I know, less than a year later, there would be a worldwide pandemic and everybody I knew got fired from being a flight attendant. <laughs> so I kind of like, I think, in like, etherically, the, the universe of watching out for me being like, you need to prepare yourself for what's coming next. Um, and so I'd always wanted to be personal development specialist, life coach, work with people and, and kind of take them through what I went through. Because if I had had the building blocks and the foundation that I have now through the work that I've done my life would have looked very different. Um, and I think it's so important for people to learn those things. So it, it just kind of set me up for, for preparing myself in order to like start the work that I do now. It must be so rewarding, um, especially because of everything that you've been through to now be able to use that to help others. Oh, hugely. Um, I, I, if you had asked me when I started who my main clientele would be, I would never have picked who it is. It's, you know, usually men in their 50s plus 
who are just coming to terms with their sexuality or just coming out or preparing to come out. And I'm not saying that that's only who I work with. I work with everybody. I've had clients from across the board and I love to work with everybody. But like a good chunk of the clients that come to me are, you know, older gay men who are kind of trying to learn how to rebuild themselves after this kind of personal crisis of like, well, who am I? And that's kind of what I went through when I was hitting my lows of like, well, who am I? What do I represent? Like, what am I here to do? Like, who do I want to be? And through my journey, I learned all that. And so now I kind of have taken all that and condensed it down into working with people and like be like, well, this is where you start. <laughs> that so do you have like a f- specific framework you would use in those situations? Or is it very adaptable um, based on what someone comes to you with? So yeah, so I do have a framework because I'm not one of these coaches who's like, come and work with me for life. Cause I don't, I don't want to be anybody's guru. I don't want to like hold on to you for life. That's not my mantra. My mantra is like, I want to give you the tools and the education that I got. And I want to like fast track you so that you can get there quicker and you can start enjoying your life faster. And so my framework is all about, you know, building on things like figuring out what your limiting beliefs are, your mistaken beliefs and your core beliefs about yourself, because we have so much old baggage from when we were kids and when we were younger that we bring into our adult lives of like, okay, well, why do you believe this thing? Is it because people taught you and you were indoctrinated into this belief system? Or have you actually taken the time to sit with yourself and go, do I actually believe this? Why do I actually believe this? And where does it resonate inside of me? And does it resonate as true? Or is this something that I can let go of? So I work a lot of uh, of that. And then also like, what are your core values? What are your core beliefs? All of these things that make who you are, the building blocks of what makes you, you. Um, Cause I believe a lot of people have built their towers really tall and quickly but, you know, then something like the pandemic comes along and knocks your tower over. Like you lose your job or you lose that thing that you thought made you you. Like, oh, I'm the CEO of this company, but now you aren't the CEO of the company. But now who are you? And you're having this crisis of like, well, who am I? And it's because you've never done the work to figure that out from like a core center stage. And so I believe in building a pyramid. So we kind of deconstruct all of these beliefs and understandings and thoughts you have about yourself. We kind of rebuild them in the shape of a pyramid so that you have a really fat, (laughs) you know, fat base to build off of. And so then that way, no matter what comes along later on in your life, you're like, well, I know I've done the work to figure out who I truly am on the inside. And I've done the work to figure out why I believe those things. And so that no matter what comes along, I'll have that confidence that comes along with knowing those things that, you know, nothing will be able to to shake or, or knock over my pyramid. It must be, I'm imagining as you are seeing the light bulbs go off with your clients and seeing these things come into perspective for them, um, it must, I I know I keep using the word rewarding, but like, I just, I I imagine that it must feel really good. So what is the most rewarding part of of your job, would you say? Those aha moments, 100%. Is those like, those clicks when they like, because like I have people come to me for all sorts of reasons, but like I always take them through the same framework and they always they always at the end of it go, you know what, you got me where I wanted to go, but it looked absolutely nothing like what I thought it was going to look like. 
Um, and like I've had more recently, I had somebody come to me about confidence because they had gotten a job in, you know, corporate and they were moving from kind of like more of like a quiet role of like doing their work to more of like an upfront, like I'm giving the presentations kind of role. And they were terrified. And so they're like, I want to be that person who walks into the room and who has the confidence and like just, you know, that aura of like, oh, yeah, that effortlessness. And I was like, well, there's no a there's no such thing. Everybody has those quiet hiding things, those gremlins in the background. And B, it's not about having that confidence. It's about knowing who you are and like knowing why you're the way you are, that that's where the true confidence comes from. But I can't tell people that. <laughs> so I have to lead them through these works that I like these these like, you know, programs that I have to walk them through so that they figure that out for themselves. And so that internally they start figuring out these things and tying these dots and connecting these dots together because I could you know, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make it drink, right? And so it's my job to ask really great questions and to place these things in front of you so that you start asking those questions of yourself and you start connecting the dots because it's going to be so much more powerful when you figure out what your reasons are because I don't know your reasons. I am not you. I don't live in your mind. I've not lived your life. I don't know your perspectives and your perception of the world, but I do know the questions that can help you figure that out for yourself. But like those aha moments, those like light bulbs that and I can see it when they like really are like, oh, wow, like I never thought of it like that. Like and just like things go off. I'm just like, huh, those are the best moments. Oh, absolutely. I can. Yeah, I can imagine. You also, um, aside from your coaching, you also ho are a co-host on the podcast Gay Men Going Deeper. So tell me about the show and, and what inspired uh, the creation of it. Yeah, so um, Gay Men Going Deeper is a double entendre. Uh, it's all about personal development. <laughs> love, <laughs> love it. I mean, right, like, come on, great marketing. Um, it's all about <laughs> personal development, sexuality, and mental health. Um, and it does focus around gay men, but anybody can listen to it because I think a lot of the topics we talk about are relevant to a lot of people. And so um, we started it, um, Matt, he started a group like kind of at the early stages of the pandemic that summer. Um, and he brought me in and Michael in. And at the time, there was also another guy called Reno. Um, and we just want to provide a space for gay men to come into where we could create the community we wanted to see, where it was like, because we have such a traumatized community and like such a hurt community and a, and a community that continues to be like demonized. And like, just look at what happened in Florida. Like, are you kidding me? So it's like, <laughs> so it's like we're constantly being bombarded with all this hate and negativity of course we're going to be dealing with trauma of course we're going to be dealing with all this crap that gets piled on top of us and so we wanted to build a community space where gay men could come and like do this personal development work and have kind of like a peer support group of other gay men who are going through similar things of being like you know when you're out and about with your friends you don't necessarily want to talk about it because they'll like roll their eyes or get catty and like just spew their shame and their stuff on top of you and we want to really remove that and and stop strictly connecting sexually of like oh you have six-pack abs and all this stuff like we don't allow like shirtless photos and stuff like that in the group and we've really curated this group to be like purposeful and to like for guys to really get the support and help they, they want and we also have like a bunch of like um 
you know, outreach programs and things that they can go to if they need to. But the podcast kind of started from that being like, well, we need to talk about these topics. And so we just started podcast, do nothing special. We just use Zoom. We record, you know, it comes out weekly, um, but we keep it fresh. There's all three of us will do an interview or do like a topic together. But then we also intersperse um each of us doing one-on-one -on -one interviews with people that we bring in. So, you know, I just did one about therapy with a therapist and a specialist who specializes in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, but we have all sorts of interviews with all sorts of people. And I think it brings in a lot of different perspectives. And we're just kind of trying to create this space where it's the norm to talk about this stuff. And I think that, you know, we're in a really great place in the world now with uh, the pandemic has been awful, but in bringing things online and opening those opportunities of like, you can meet your therapist. Like I go to therapy online. It's great. I love it. And like, I can do it from the convenience of my own home and I feel safer. And like, it's just so fantastic. And so kind of bringing this out there, it's, I mean, it's been tough because, you know, hurt people hurt people. And some people can say some really nasty, nasty things um, on any of the advertising we do. But we know that at the end of the day, we I'm rooted in my truth and I'm rooted in like, you know, love and kindness and compassion and empathy. And, you know, people just don't know what they don't know. And if you've been taught something your whole life, I don't expect you to know any different because that's what you've been told. That's what you've been raised to believe. And it's my job to just stand in my truth and my power so that eventually maybe you can see that there is truth and power in that. Because most most of the time people do. They figure it out. You're so right. And I think just being able to set that example for other people and to create, I mean, it sounds like you've just created a really beautiful space where people can feel safe and comfortable and they can learn uh, a lot as well. I mean, that is, it, it's amazing. And it sounds like it's a beautiful community. Yeah. Yeah. And that was our number one goal with it. And, and I think mm. we're almost at 5,000 like Facebook group members. Um, and the podcast does pretty good. I think we're getting over like 10, 11,000 downloads a month. So it's like, it's getting there. It's getting there. It's doing all right. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Well, congrats. I, I guess I wonder too now, um, as we, you know, talk about where you are now, as you look back on that turning point, you know, getting this job, moving to the Middle East, what would you say is kind of the biggest lesson that you would take um, from that time in your life? Uh, I don't know if it was just that one time, but I would say just a life lesson that I've lived is accept imperfection and embrace imperfection because that is the only real truth. There's no such thing as perfection. And as a recovering perfectionist, I was constantly blocking myself from moving forward because I wanted it to be perfect. And I've learned over my life that we are messy. Like human beings are messy. We are we are both masterpieces and messes all at the same time. And that, um, you know, to really do this growth and to really go on these journeys, you have to be vulnerable. And true vulnerability is just the acceptance of that imperfection. I love that life lesson. I think it is the perfect way to tie up this interview. Thank you so much, Callan, for sharing um, all of your experiences, your insights. Um, I feel like there were so many good life lessons in this interview too. So thank you so much. I, it was such a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Uh, it's been fantastic being on the podcast.
Should I let everybody know where they can find out more information? Yes, I was just going to ask. Yes, please. Um, cool. So if you're interested in me or what I do, you can check me out at just callenbrecken.com. Um, and then also, if you're interested in working with me or just finding out about my course and what I take people through, you can go to theshamedetox.com. So theshamedetox.com. Um, and you can book a, a quick free 20 minute session with me to see if working together is a right fit. Or I also have my course there and you can just take the course. Uh, you don't get any one-on-one, but you can get all the information that I basically provide everybody um, through that way if that's a little bit more of an affordable option for you. So there's lots of options. And then, of course, listen listen and check out the Game and Going Deeper podcast because I think we're up to 70, almost 74 episodes, 73, 74 episodes. So Nice. I love it. Thank you so much. And we'll put some links uh, in the show notes as well. So people can find you uh, really easily that way. Thanks again, Callan. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. Amazing. And thank you to all of you for watching and listening. If you're enjoying the show, you can leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow the show uh, on YouTube. You can find me on social media at Priya Sam. And until next time, take good care of yourselves and of each other. 